invite you to stay standing so we can pray together. And God, I just love that song. In fact, all the songs today, we focused on what you've done for us. And I just pray for every one of us here today that wherever we are in our understanding of Jesus, that um, as we dig into this idea of freedom and what you came to offer and that we can live in, that uh, you would help us to see you. And that for those of us who have been disillusioned by church, by those who claim the name of Christ, that we would be able to see you today. Uh, For those of us who are pursuing you, that you would just allow us to be drawn closer to you, uh, that we can live with even more freedom uh, as we walk in your spirit by your leading. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. That'd be wonderful. And uh, welcome today. As Mark said just a few moments ago, that we get to start this new series called Free. And it's called Pursuing the Grace Life. And so we're going to talk about that a lot, about what does grace mean and how we can pursue that. And over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to explore uh, the New Testament book of Galatians. And so I just want you to know that uh, I've never done a message series on Galatians. And so it was like, okay, why not? And then I looked at it and I said, well, it's because it's hard, okay? (laughs) It's complicated. I like the easy stuff. And so that was kind of, you know, really, it's the first. uh, I realized that once you get past chapter 4, four into five and six, that's where I've spoken from, uh, because that's the more, you know, relevant to, you know, everyday life, we think, and applicable to us. Uh, But we're going to take the whole book together and walk through this. And so I'm just going to encourage you, if you haven't done this yet, to grab your message notes out of your program. They look like this, and you'll be able to follow along today. And uh, so there won't be any surprises. Take notes here. Uh, the Bible verses will be there that we're going to use today. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open it to Galatians. Galatians is right. You know, we have Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians. And so it's the first in the list of Paul's epistles. And so you could look there at Galatians chapter 1. So last Sunday, we celebrated the resurrection. So as I was walking around the lobby, it's had so many people come up and talk to me about the service that they're still feeling the joy, they're still feeling the, I'd say, the glow of last Sunday's Easter service. And I said, isn't it awesome that it just isn't one day that we get to celebrate the resurrection, that it's every day that we get to, because if we know Jesus, that that resurrection is real to us, the risen Christ lives in us. And so uh, I know that we met in our planning team this week, and we were talking about this series, and we were reflecting on Easter and just uh, how much it meant to us. And we were saying, well, how can we keep that same level of joy and excitement all year? And so we're like, well, maybe you can't maintain it at that level, but there are some things we can do to think about how we can maintain the joy. Or is it just an Easter or is it a Christmas phenomenon? You know, kind of like we have these peaks twice a year and then the rest of the time it's just church. Okay, let's just go to church, you know. Or can it be, I get to go again to church, or maybe some of you, I have to go again, but anyway, I get to go uh, to church and be there. Uh, I know that we talked last week about <laughs> after uh, Jesus was resurrected, as this early church got its start, and that uh, it had to go underground because of persecution, 
and fear for their lives that those early followers of Jesus, in order to recognize each other, that uh, they would have a, a kind of a code. And the code was uh, one person would say, he is risen, and the other person would say, he is risen indeed. And so if you had that response, then you know that you knew someone had believed in the risen Christ. And so that became adopted by the church as a tradition, and it's typically done on Easter, but I thought for the next week or two after Easter, we'd do it together out loud as well. So here we go. He has risen. He risen That's right. So we can have that same level of excitement, and we can carry it with us. And so I just think about that, uh, that as we walk through this book of Galatians, that as we explore it, it's going to help us to know how we can maintain our joy and not get robbed of joy. I saw a video this week that made me smile and actually laugh uh, at the contagious laughter and joy that a grandma expressed as she rode a roller coaster. Apparently, she's never flown, so she's going to set it up in an airplane, and she has a trip scheduled in an airplane. And so her daughter thought that the best way to get her ready for her very first plane <laughs> flight would be to take her on her very first roller coaster ride. Okay, let's see what happened, okay? Meet Grandma Rhea. She'd never traveled on an airplane before. So before her first ever flight to beat her fear, she took to the sky on a roller coaster. her hair budged out, right? <laughs> oh, I don't know, but if they had a grandma adoption program, I'd take her, right? <laughs> oh, my kids have her as a grandma as well. See, folks, the joy that she expressed there, the laughter, the freedom, the lightness, that joy has been felt at some level by everyone who has said yes to Jesus Christ at some level. The problem is, is that for many of us, we find sustaining that joy to be difficult. And some of us may even think impossible. Now, right in front, I just want to be really honest as we start. You cannot sustain that level of joy on your own willpower. And you just can't do it. It's too hard and it's too difficult. But what we're going to see in this series is that God, with God's supernatural grace, his empowerment... You can both receive his joy and sustain his joy. And so that's why I'm personally so eager as we begin this series on pursuing the grace life. Now, I put our theme verse for you at the top of the notes, Galatians 5. We'll actually come and get to this in a few weeks uh, when we get to this section of Galatians, but it really sets us up. And so let's read out loud with me, okay? Ready to go. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So we'll come back to that 
concept a little bit later on today and then later on in our series. So as we begin, I just want to be, uh, just take us back to last Sunday. I know it was Easter, and I know that not everyone here today was here at our Easter service. And uh, I didn't tell you this last week, but Easter was really uh, an introduction to today. And so when we went to 1 Corinthians 15 and we talked about the gospel in such depth last week, the reason we did that is because as we move into Galatians, the word gospel is used a lot. And so I wanted you to be familiar with this term because we're going to use it a lot in this series, and I want to just kind of introduce it. And so I want to go back and review just a moment about what Paul said First Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 15, what the gospel actually is. So you might want to write this down. The key element is that Jesus died for my sins. Jesus died for my sins. We needed a Savior, and so Jesus came to rescue us, to save us from our sins. Next, Jesus was buried. He was buried in a tomb. He was put there, a lifeless body, no heartbeat in a tomb. He was dead. He was then raised from the dead after three days. So we had a resurrection. And last week we talked about proof for the resurrection. So if you weren't here, just encourage you to go grab, uh, the, go online and watch that service from last week so you can just get familiar with what we talked about. And then the last thing is he appeared to many people. So it substantiated the fact that the resurrection is, is that he appeared to, uh, we don't know the number, but it was you know, well over 500 because he had 500 at one moment uh, that he appeared to. And that substantiated the resurrection because these are witnesses uh, that could have been gone to to corroborate or to disqualify the message. And if they would have disqualified it, then I just guarantee you we wouldn't have the Bible that we have today. We wouldn't even be here uh, except they did corroborate what he said. And so Paul says, stand firm on this message, Galatians 5, 1, and then and it was also in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, stand firm on this message. And when we do, we can, can, I'll just say, know the joy that the grandma experienced on the roller coaster. So let's just remind ourselves, let's look at her picture here. <laughs> look at that. Rory, you laugh again. Oh, my word. That is amazing. So we can know that joy, but when we don't do the things we're talking about this series, we end up looking like this. All right. There's another grandma, uh, the church lady from SNL. Now, she, she uh, is a picture of what happens when we leave the true message of the gospel. That's a picture of what happens to us when we leave the true message. When we lose the realization of how much that I personally need grace then what happens is, for every one of us, this is what happens. When we lose this idea that we each personally need grace as much as any other person, maybe more, what happens is, is that we become legalistic, sour, judgmental, self-righteous, and hypocritical. That's what we become. And that's the reason that you have so many people pointing fingers at those who claim to be evangelical or those who claim to be Christ followers who are you know, anything but civil, and uh, so they point their fingers and say, well, if that's what it means to follow Christ, then I don't want anything to do with your Christ or your church in any way. So since context is so important, okay, so this, I get to introduce Galatians today, so we're going to just dig in. This is going to be a little different than the rest of the weeks because we have to look at context. We have to look at what's happening. So I just want to set up some context today uh, to be able to understand. Paul is writing this letter somewhere around... 48 to 50 AD. 
So the time frame then, that, that means it's, it's about 50, 20 years after the resurrection of Christ. And so it, he wrote all these letters in a sequence. And many scholars believe that Galatians was actually the first letter he wrote to clarify the Christian faith, to clarify the resurrection, to clarify grace. Now, he's not writing to a specific church. In some cases, he wrote to specific churches or to specific people like Timothy. He's writing to a region, and the region is called Galatia, uh, which is most likely our modern-day Turkey. You're going to look at a map. He went into this region spreading the gospel of the Jesus Christ and starting churches. If you want to read about this, you can go to Acts 13. You might want to do that sometime and read about the starting of the churches in Galatia. So then what would happen is, is after he would move on, uh, the, the church and the leaders would communicate to him uh, by letters. And then he would communicate back to them. And they would communicate. They would say, here's how things are going. And he would write back to help them with issues they faced. He would help them with problems they were encountering. And he would also help them to uh, clarify what the gospel message is, to clarify that. Just, or maybe he would just write in some cases just to encourage them. So among the letters he wrote and that were read, uh, so... As people would get these letters, and then they would read them, and they would talk about them, and they would circulate them, eventually what happened is, is that all of these letters were collected, as well, along with some letters and writings of some other New Testament apostles, and what happened is, is these letters were eventually put into a document that we now call our New Testament. And specifically, this letter to the region of Galatia is called the book of Galatians. So now, for those of you who always wonder why is it called that, you know. You know the rest of the story. And from what we can glean, we know this, that after Paul left, he started the church, and it was based on the gospel, so stand firm on what you received, and that would be that Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again, he appeared. You can trust this. This is the gospel message of what you received. What happened is that some other people had heard that same gospel message, uh, but they were having a hard time leaping into this new paradigm of grace. And so they had come from a system that was about rules and regulations and rituals and festivals, and, uh, and they were having a hard time letting go of this. And so what they were doing was is that they were saying, yes, Jesus, gospel, and yes, you must still keep these laws and regulations and rituals. So um, not only did they add them in, they made them essential. They made them essential. They, they believed. Okay, so really, they believed that Jesus was who he said he was. They believed that he did what he said he came to do and what Paul had said. They just felt that in order for you to remain free in order to do that, that there was a way of life you now had to follow or you just couldn't do it. You had to follow this way of life. You're just not qualified unless you follow these rules and regulations. And so you know, we can't quite trust God. We can't try to quite trust the Holy Spirit. So we're going to have to give you rules and regulations that you have to follow. And so what they did is they added back in these Jewish traditions as a way to stay, hear me, in right standing with God. As a way to stay in right standing with God. They were correct in denying, not denying that Jesus was the way, but they were incorrect in saying that you must live out these Jewish rituals concerning cleanliness, 
specifically circumcision. Now, you got to know, these people who were saying that you need to add circumcision into Christianity, they were all circumcised at eight days old. The people they were talking to were adults. I don't think I need to go any further to tell you. <laughs> they were like, well, we, didn't, we don't even remember our circumcision. <laughs> and then they were saying to adults that they needed to as well. They were saying they needed to add these things. So the book of Galatians, here we go, is a letter of correction. It's a letter of correction to these early followers of Jesus, teaching them how to remain free, how to sustain their joy, and how to pursue grace. The book of Galatians is for me. I just can't tell you, as I've been looking at this, that where God has me in my life and circumstances and situations is that the book of Galatians is for me. And what God wants to say to me about my propensity to try to earn his favor through what I do. And then when it seems that I don't receive God's favor for what he, do, what he does, in response to me, I judge God and hold him accountable that he didn't come through like I believed he promised he would. There's a whole branch of Christianity who teaches that. whole branch teaches that God is obligated because of your good works or because of your formula you use or because of, your or because of the uh, rituals you follow uh, that he's obligated to do for you what you believe he has said he would do. And so we end up in this whole thing of legalism. And so I'm just telling you that this series is for me. I, can't, I was amazed this week at the depth of how I was moved and drawn to want to experience grace in a new way and, and how I really want our church to experience grace in a new way. So this book was a letter of correction to them. It's a letter of correction to me, and I believe it's going to be a letter of correction for some of you as well as we go through this together. The book of Galatians is for all those who feel exhausted by life or haunted by guilt or fearful of rejection. Uh, in this series, I believe that you're going to have the opportunity to be set free from guilt, free from fear, free from this nagging feeling of never quite measuring up. I don't know about you, but there's often times I wake up in the morning, and when I wake up in the morning, my first thought is, what do I have to do today? What do I have to do today? To prove my worth and value. Now, I don't say those words, but inside, it's a beating thing. Of, I've got off the treadmill to sleep. I'm getting back on the treadmill in the morning. What do I have to do today to be able to earn favor with God and man? And it's just a trap. And, you know, I'm not always on that, but I'm just telling you because in telling you, I'm more accountable. And God's going to use this in even, I think, a deeper way in me and maybe in you because I said that. So let's jump in. And let's just, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, now not from men nor through men, so he's saying I wasn't called by men, and I'm going to get to a little bit about what that means, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, so he's given us the gospel here, and all the brothers and sisters who are with me to the churches in Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age 
according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. So what I want to do is you see there's a whole sentences there where I'm just going to actually take these verses and I'm going to fill in some of the key words so we can be you know, kind of up to date on what it is that Paul's saying to us. And so I want to begin with the fact that he was an apostle. Now, I'm not going to define the word yet because I want to come back to something I said last week. Now, when he says, I'm an apostle, I want to make this one observation about where we ended last week, about how if, in my encouraging us to let the resurrection set us free to change or be transformed. We talked about last week about Paul was the crucifier, the, the murderer of Christians. Uh, he was a terrorist. He was a racist. And now... He's labeled as an apostle. So we got a 180-degree turnaround. And so we just see here the power of what God can do in any of our lives. So this is an amazing fact, not just about who wrote it, but it's an amazing fact about the God who wants to be involved in our lives. So that word apostle means one who was called and sent by God. One who was called and sent by God. Now, I'm not going to give you the whole qualifications or how a person become apostle in the New Testament, but let's just use the definition one who was called and sent by God. So when Paul did that, he was giving us his credentials because a lot of the first four chapters of Galatians, Paul is defending his right to be the one who was proclaiming the gospel and clarifying the gospel. So he said, I want you to get my credentials. I want you to know why I have the authority to be the one who's saying the things I'm talking about. And then he talks about grace, and grace is the undeserved transforming, notice the undeserved transforming favor of God. So it's undeserved and it's powerful. It transforms me, favor of God. The unmerited transforming favor that's given to us, listen to this, apart from who we are, apart from what we do, and I'll just add this, apart from our spiritual performance. That leads to peace, leads to peace, which is confident, serene assurance. Confident, serene assurance that God loves and cares for me. Just amazing. Just, stand, just resting right there. That God loves me. So grace, as we're going to see in this series, is the root and peace is the fruit. We're going to see that in the series. Grace is the root. It goes down. Peace is the fruit. I cannot produce peace. Peace is produced through grace as I live in Christ, which was made possible because Jesus gave himself for our sins to set us free, to set us free. Another word that we're going to look at next week would be rescue according to the will of our God and Father. And then it's once again, it's about, I'll say it's because of his love, because of his great love. And then to whom be the glory forever and ever. And I just add in, as he freely gives us power and grace. So it's transforming power and grace. And then we are free by grace. So that's, that's the idea. That's what we need to know, that we're set free by grace as we go through this series. You may want to come back to this several times and just remind yourself of these truths that we're going to base our series on. So turn your notes over. And let's look at what Paul says about guarding our freedom, or how to remain free, or how to sustain joy, or how to pursue grace. You could just use any one of those titles or categories. Three ideas. The first one is this, and they're all warnings. Beware of reversing the gospel. 
So we know the gospel message, and the first thing Paul talks about, and he tells the church, and he tells those who are doing the teaching to beware of reversing the gospel message. Verse 6, he says, I am astonished. I think that's an understatement uh, because really what he's saying is I am extremely angry and my blood is boiling. I'm incensed that you are so quickly, I don't know how long he's been gone, but you were so quickly deserting. And that word desert means to go AWOL. So it's a strong word. It wasn't meaning like you're just slipping away, but you're so quickly deserting, going AWOL on him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different. And that word different means uh, different than the one I taught. So you're turning to something different than the gospel I taught to another gospel. And then he says this, not that there is another one. There isn't. There's only one. And so you're turning to a false gospel. We'll talk about that in a minute. But there are some who trouble you, so talking about these preachers, or we're going to learn, uh, they have a term that they've been given, Judaizers, who want to distort, and that word distort could also be translated reverse, reverse the gospel of Christ. So if the gospel of Christ is all about what God did, then reversing it would be about what I do to get to God, what God did to bring me to himself, now it's reversing it is what I do to get to him. He's angry. He's writing to these folks, and you know, not only to the church, but these that would later, as I said, be labeled as Judaizers. They're seeking to reverse the gospel, that the gospel was based on grace to a gospel that's based on rules. They've taken the, the message of, about a God who made it possible by his action. So he initiated Remember that God initiated when Jesus came to die for our sins. It was God's initiation. He made it possible for us to be made right to himself. And he made it uh, about what we do. And they were making it be about what we do to get right with God. So one view, uh, the view he was writing about, is based upon religion. And religion is basically man's attempts or efforts to get to God. So that's religion, man's attempts or efforts to get to God. And the true gospel is based upon a relationship, and it's about what we experience with God because of what he initiated, and we can know him. See, religion, and this is why you know, we say all the time that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Religion is, says if you perform well, you will be loved and accepted by God. That's what religion says. The gospel says, and this is the freedom, you are perfectly accepted and loved by God already, just as you are, because of what Christ did on the cross, just as you are, because of what he did. So I want to compare the two approaches, and you see I've got some uh, headings and then some blanks there for you to fill in. On one side, you're going to see we have the true gospel. On the other side, we have, or you could say it's the gospel of grace. On the other side, we have the false gospel, or it would be the gospel of works. On one side, we have a relational approach to God. On the other side, we have a religious approach to pleasing God. So let's talk about this, because we'll just outline the differences for us as we go forward in the series. The first, the true gospel is based upon what Jesus has already done for us. 
what Jesus has done for us. That's the true gospel. That's the left side. So instead of waking up every day wondering, do I measure up? Have I done enough? Do I measure up? Have I done enough? What do people think? What do you need to do? In order of wondering if you're acceptable, you're able to instead relax because you trust Jesus. And as you trust him, you're trusting that your efforts will always be enough, will always be enough. False gospel is based upon what we do, on what we do for God. So in this approach, instead of, you know, the other approach is you sit back and you relax in what Jesus has done for you and not trying to earn your way into more rewards or something like that. In this approach, you basically spend your time keeping track, keeping track, measuring, tallying up. Am I acceptable? Did I do enough? Did I do enough? And the danger here is this. You never can do enough. You never can do enough. In fact, because not one of us is perfect, if you evaluate everything you do and you're measuring yourself and you're telling it, I guess I'm just going to guarantee you something. You will always come up short. Always. Because you are not good enough on your own. Now, here's you know where I'll just say that when I was talking about how I wake up and how I live, uh, is that it's been this journey for years and years and years, and God just keeps peeling off the layers and layers and layers of me getting beyond this fact of just walking around believing overall that I'm just not enough, that I'm not enough. And what God's shown me through grace is that he, he's enough, and I can rest in him. But see, if it's based on what you do, then nothing is ever good enough because you can never be perfect. Therefore, you can never rest in the joy of the Lord because you're consumed with the junk of you. You're consumed with your brokenness instead of being consumed with the grace of God. Okay, next, the true gospel is based on us receiving God's love, receiving his love. So this is when we can actually truly get to the place where we can receive what he gave as a gift and we can rest in that, rest in the fact that God loves us apart from our efforts. He loves you by grace. This may blow some of you away. God loves you on your best day. God loves you on your worst day. God cannot love you any more or any less than he does right now. That's God's love. Love cannot be earned. But the false gospel says that it's based on earning God's approval. Your acceptance is based on earning God's approval. So as I said earlier, the people that, uh, to whom Paul was writing, they'd accepted the message of Jesus, and they were reversing the message by making following Jesus. And this is where I think that some of you, this is why people don't go to church today, folks. And I believe this is why people have been so turned off by you know, organized Christianity, is that oftentimes, and I've been guilty of this myself, of reversing the gospel and make it seem like, Following Jesus is all about just trying really hard to keep a list of do's and don'ts and try to earn God's approval. So what happens is, if you're religious or you're living on the right side, you end up self-righteous. Because the only way you can never know, ever know how you're doing is to compare yourself to others. And when you compare yourself to others, you end up sitting in judgment of them. And you become 
the church lady. The false gospel says, do more, give more, read more, share more, serve more, pray more, sacrifice more. I can just keep going down the list. That's what the false gospel says. So I'll just be real clear on this. You don't obey to get acceptance. You obey because you're accepted. Okay? We really need to be clear on that. That actually leads us to this next idea. The true gospel is based on internal desire to please God because of what he's done for us. So now... I have an internal desire because I've been loved and I've received that love, and now I want to express love back to God based upon what he's done for me and relationship. So the true gospel leads us to serve, leads us to give, leads us to share, leads us to sacrifice, leads us to read, leads us us to memorize, leads us to tell, but it's all based upon relationship and us sharing the overflow of what Christ has done in us with others. But the false gospel, on the other hand, is based on external duty. External duty. So your motivation is not love. Your motivation is externally driven. It's do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Get on that treadmill. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Go to bed, get up. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Constantly. You're always on a performance treadmill. The false gospel is based on external duty, where we're trying to measure ourselves by our effort. And, uh, you know, this is where I think we get all confused as we measure ourselves, and so then we start judging others and measuring them too and seeing how they're doing. And we all get caught up in a false gospel tornado or hurricane, and it ruins lives. So, as I said earlier, legalism is what we're talking about. And legalism on this right side is when we use man-made rules in an effort to say these rules will get you to know God and to grow in God. So we get caught up in those ideas. But Paul says, no, the gospel is Jesus. So we can't reverse it. Reversing it is getting man-made rules first and then thinking that's going to lead us to grace. The gospel is grace when we embody it, when we bring it inside, when we own it, when we internalize it, that then that leads us to wanting to respond in a way that honors God. And, and loves people. Okay, two more ideas. And, you know, you guys are thinking he's never going to finish today. <laughs> and uh, these are going to be so fast uh, uh, that your head's going to spin. Okay, first, second is this. Beware of revising the gospel, revising it. So this is I mean, okay, I'm not going to reverse it. I'm just going to revise it and make it say something, you know, make it different. And so now you have, uh, I, I'm not going to just list all the uh, cults and religions uh, or movements uh, that exist in our world today uh, that have been in existence from you know, the time of Christ on uh, where people are saying, well, the gospel is just too hard, so I'm going to revise it. So I'm going to make, make it be easier, or I'm going to make it be that it it's requires me in order to someone to be able to get access to it. But this is what he says. But even if we are an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Now, I wish I could say this lightly, but when he uses the word accursed there, he's really saying, go to hell. Go to hell. Now, really, that's what he's saying. Let him be accursed because of the damage it does. And then ultimately, how many people might end up in hell because they were taught a false gospel. And then he goes on to say this, as we have said before, so I now I say again, if anyone 
preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So he says it twice. Now, this is pretty simple to understand. Don't revise the gospel, okay? It's just so simple. Don't be guilty of doing this. If an angel comes to you and says, I've got another set of documents, if an angel comes to you and says, I've got another way, don't believe it. Paul says, even if myself, this is was radical. He's saying, even if I came to you and said, oh, I've had another revelation, uh, I've had this uh, spiritual encounter, uh, I've had this vision, and there's a new way to look at the gospel, he says, don't even believe me. Don't revise the gospel. Number three, beware of reducing the gospel. Reducing the gospel. So I revise it, now I'm going to reduce it. And so when I reduce the gospel, I reduce it to what would make me be approved by man or God. And this is what he says. Verse 10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? He says, if he does, he's saying, I've reduced the gospel. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And he's saying there that anytime it becomes about pleasing or getting the approval of God or even man, man or even God, probably be the stronger way of saying that, that I have reduced the gospel and it's no longer the true gospel because I've gotten it out of context. Now, earlier we read that verse from uh, Galatians 5.1 and it said, do not move, allow yourself to be in slavery any longer. So go back into slavery. And that's what this we're talking about here. Slavery would be trying to earn my way into favor with God and man. So you want to remember, we've been saved. We've been set free, rescued from this endless race, this endless performance trap, this endless desire to try to compare, to work harder, to be better. He's saying that's slavery. It's slavery. And what Paul says is freedom is what he came to set us free for. So don't get caught up again in trying to earn your way, earn approval from God. And the beautiful thing is, is that as we experience grace, and this is what we're going to talk about a lot in this series, it's a lot about the gospel. The gospel is not just how I get to heaven. The gospel is also how I live here, how I live here. The gospel transforms us. And so I'm going to read a quote to you from Tim Keller. Uh, just it's my last thing I'm going to share today before we pray. And this is what he says, talking about the gospel. See, we think the gospel is, uh, and, and I, get a, I get this little publication, and it's from a Christian organization. And every single one, they want to make sure that if anyone were to pick this up, they'd be able to know Christ. And so they give a gospel presentation, and it's always ABC. A, B, C, A, B, C. Every, every time I read it, every, it comes A, B, C, A, B, C. And so what we get we, to thinking is the gospel is only about getting people to punch their ticket to heaven. A, B, C, you're in heaven, that's it. There's no more gospel for you. But the gospel, as you talked about last week, is to change us, is to transform us. So Tim Keller says, the gospel is not just the A, B, C, but the A to Z, <laughs> all of it, of the Christian life. The gospel is not just the way to enter the kingdom, but is the way to address every problem. Notice that, every problem. And is the way to grow at every step. If we believe we can find our own worth and meaning through performance, then we will either become proud or disdainful of others if we reach our goals, or else discouraged and self-loathing if we fail to reach our goals. But the gospel creates an entirely new self-image. And we apply grace to everyday life, and we know joy, and we know freedom. Let's pray. 
God, I just thank you so much for Paul's writing, and uh, I thank you for the intensity that he wrote with and the challenge there is for each one of us. And uh, Lord, I, I just come to you and I am resting here uh, and asking, what, you, what is it that you want people to do right now? How do you want them to respond? Uh, is there anything in your heart that was uh, personally, as you're sitting there listening today, that God spoke to you about? Did you resonate with this push, relentless, performance-driven life? Did you resonate with being judgmental? Did you resonate with just being guilt-ridden, critical of others? Maybe angry at God because he's not come through. You've performed to the best of your ability. And you didn't get what you wanted from him. God, I just pray now that as we sang today that, that you are here for all of us. And Lord, I pray for all of those who are disillusioned or discouraged, uh, feeling pressed down by religion, their views of you, what, you th- what they think you want. I pray for all of us now that you would help us to move into this rhythm, uh, move into this stream of what you want to say to us about grace about how you want us to be able to rest, that when we leave here today, that we're not thinking, oh, what do I have to do to be approved of by someone else or God? Oh, I'm just driven now. That we leave here today just resting in the fact that each one of us is loved. Loved by you. Just where we are. We can only be there. That's the only place we can be is right where we are. And he loves you right there. And I pray for everyone in the room. I pray for those especially who've never said yes to Jesus, to the gospel message. Come on in. (laughs) Say yes to Jesus. Maybe you've been afraid. You've looked at other Christians. You've looked at churches. And you're I could never be. I could never do. They'd never want me. Oh, man. Say yes to Jesus today. Say, Jesus, as much as I understand this, I want to give my life to you. I receive your forgiveness. I receive the love that you're pouring out. I want to know more deeply what grace is. Jesus, help me to live the transformed life. As grace comes to me, flows in me, empowers me to be, just to be your son or your daughter. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to invite you now to take your connection card out, if you would, and if you would just do that for a moment and respond to the service. I'd love that. And if you prayed with me and you've never said yes to Jesus, you just did, I want to say we celebrate that. And the way you can let us know is on your card, and uh, make sure that gets in the offering basket in just a moment. Your connection card is a place you can write your prayer requests, you can take next steps, you can communicate. Love to have you fill that out every week. 
and to be just part of our family in that way, to participate. And so we're going to receive our offerings now. We get to celebrate as we know what God has done in us, and we get to invest in his kingdom. Uh, and we're going to do that as a family, but if you're a guest, we just let you know we don't expect you to give. Just let this service be our gift to you. So we'll listen to our band play in just a few minutes. I'll come back and close this with a prayer before we leave. Okay, guys, I want to call you on this one is that on the 11th, we're having our manly meal night. And so just encourage you. Uh, that's usually when my community group meets. We're all, all the guys of our community group are coming that night uh, to the manly meal. And the gals are going to go have a great time and party without us. Uh, and so I just want to invite you guys to come uh, that night. The way you do it is you go out to the table, out the adult table, and you buy a ticket. And I just wanted you to know that uh, if anything at all I talked about today resonated with you as a guy and performance and approval, uh, then you're going to want to be here on Monday night as I get to talk a little bit more and go into more depth about that and how God wants to set us free. So heads up on that. Uh, next week, we're going to continue our series and uh, we're going to jump back in and talk about the grace life, free by rescue and uh, I just uh, talk about this whole concept of being rescued by him and how Paul, once again, he's defending this whole idea of uh, what that means for us. We're going to have communion together. So I want you to come ready next week and be ready to just experience him at a deep level as we get to have communion together as well. Got a card in your program about the series. I just love to, if you'd use this as a way to invite someone, I know you know someone who's been turned off by church or religion or Jesus, or Christians, and so this series really will speak. And you also know some people who are tired, 
and they've run away from church. This series will speak to them as it has to you today. So just use this as a way to invite them. Uh, but it's not a rule, okay? You don't, it's not a regulation, okay? I'm not going to measure any, anybody, okay? Just want you to know. Stand up. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for bringing your people here, and I just really thank you so much for sending Jesus to us. May we live in his presence. Fill us with your grace. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.